Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 3. If you have your Bibles, we're continuing our series, The New Normal. If you would stand in honor of God's Word as we read the Word of God together. Hebrews 11 and 3, and then we're going to go to verse 27. Uh, just two verses. Through faith, we understand that the words, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. He says the worlds, this cosmos, this universe, it was framed by the word of God. So that the things which we can see, in essence it's saying it's made by things which you can't see. The physical was created by the invisible. Verse 27, chapter 11 of verse 27 of Hebrews. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This is somewhat of a, a, a paradox, a contradiction that Moses was able to see something that was invisible. And I want to talk to you today on that thought, seeing the unseen. Seeing the unseen. Let us pray together, shall we? And we have a prayer request uh, for the Philippines. There's a, uh, a massive typhoon uh, about the size of Typhoon Yolanda, which was several years ago, I think back in 2013 and devastated an entire city of 11 million people. That's how powerful it is. And of course, the infrastructure back in the Philippines is not the best. Um, and so there's always a lot of damage and a high fatality rate. But let us pray that the, somehow God would perform a miracle. Amen. He's a miracle worker. Lift up your voices in Jesus' name. Father, we pray, Lord God, for this circumstance in the Philippines. Lord, right now we're asking you that you would stay this, this typhoon, Lord God, right now. We command this typhoon to begin to diminish right now in the name of Jesus. We command it by the authority and the power of the Word of God and the power that's in the name Jesus. Let this typhoon be gone right now. Let it diminish, Lord God, to something insignificant, Lord God, that there would be minimal damage, that there would be minimal lives taken. And God, that you would have mercy upon this, this nation and upon our churches back in the Philippines. We ask you to protect every single one, to keep them and bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you once again, Lord God, that we can be here today. Speak to us, Lord God, once again through your word. Anoint your servant and your people. Let's have your way in this house, we ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. It has been said that we are prisoners of this physical and material world. We are confined to the constraints of our physical limitations. 
and restricted to our five senses. Uh, this, after all, is how we were conditioned to think as students and children and to believe that if you cannot see it or touch it or handle it, that somehow it is not real. This is the position of the materialist. That there is nothing outside of what we can perceive in the physical world. But a simple consideration and merely a few seconds of serious thought would lead us to understand that there are some things that are very real yet are not physical or material. They are what scientists would call metaphysical. Things like morality, right or wrong. These things are not physically quantifiable. And yet all of us sitting here today know that there are still some absolute morality, there are absolute truths. It's still wrong to, uh, to kill a child. It's still wrong to abuse other people. That is, in no matter what era of time, it is morally wrong. Morality is immaterial. It's not bound or quantified by the physical. Things like love and other emotions. Love and, I think it was uh, Air Supply that sang that song, love and other was it other victims? I can't remember. It's been a while. But how, how many young people, how many young couples here know what, that love is real? Oh, amen. I, I had a little shy hand right there. I, I think. Amen. Love is not quantified by material, by the physical, yet it is very real. And uh, a thought, a person may endorse that the material world is real. Another one is perhaps... That, that, that there is something beyond the material is that they ultimately have to consider the idea of where everything came from. Uh, why? Have you ever asked the question, why is there something rather than nothing? Have you ever asked that? Why, why am I here as opposed to not being existing at all? Amen. I, I know it's a little early Sunday morning to be thinking about stuff like that. But I've got that kind of brain sometimes. I think, you know, why, why, am I, why do I exist and why am I not existing? And uh, any serious scientist will ultimately have to give due consideration to, to this question of where it all came from. Since nature teaches us that everything that began to exist must have a cause. Uh, this is so profound that it gave rise ultimately to the discipline of what we call cosmology or the study of the beginnings of the universe. Uh, scientists have had to consider this and in an effort to avoid God in trying to consider where it all began, in an effort to avoid God, they had to answer the question of, of where it all began. You know, they came up with the idea of the Big Bang Theory. I mean, anybody ever heard of that in school? When they came up with this idea, a lot of scientists didn't like it because they knew it will, it will lead to asking the question that if there was a Big Bang, then there had to be a Big Banger. Not a gang banger. 
There had to be somebody that started the Big Bang because nature itself and our experience in this material world teaches us that things don't just explode out of nothing. And so all of these brilliant scientists came up with the idea in their efforts to avoid God that the world or the cosmos and the universe, if it was a Big Bang, it must have been brought about by a, guess what, listen to this, they say it was brought about by a parallel universe. Amen. That, that's kind of what they say. That's how everything came to be. That's why there is this material world, that there is a parallel unseen universe that brought about this physical universe that we live in. That sounds very uh, sophisticated, very intelligent. But if, if that's the explanation then again, this parallel universe, it has to ultimately lead to the next question was, what gave birth to that universe? Amen. Are you still with me? And of course, well, then the answer is, well, another universe gave birth to the parallel universe. Then what, may I ask then, gave birth to that universe? Oh, then there's another universe. Until ultimately you, you, are, you are reduced to the idea that there is an infinite number of universes that never began anywhere. That never, it's never ending. It's an infinite number that continues to birth universe. And by the way, this parallel universe, there is no evidence for it. It doesn't exist. And I, I want you to understand something here today. That you need to have more faith. To believe in a parallel universe that you cannot see than to believe in an invisible God who is all-powerful, who is awesome, who the Bible says his, by his word he framed this world, the worlds that we live in. You need to have more faith in believing that. But the reason why they start teaching that is because they're trying to avoid a God who they will have to be accountable to, who they will have to be answerable for the morality in their lives. But I submit to you here this morning that it's easier. It makes more sense to believe in a God who the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he looked at this world, he said, let there be light. And there was a big bang. There was a light that came into this world. Oh, I want you to know, even though you can't see it, even though you may not be able to see him, you've got to learn with the eyes of faith that I can see God. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody, I want you to understand something here today that even though you can't see it, we're not the, we're not the superstitious ones. We're not the ignorant ones. We're the ones that believes in rational thought, in logical ideas, that it's a God of all creation who put this world together. And I want you to know that even though you can't see him, but yet with the eyes of faith, you can see the power of God. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Through, through faith, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. 
Amen. I remember when we were renovating this place, we, we tore everything down. It looked horrible. All we could see was the shell of the building. We saw the framework, and Brother George did an awesome job, and we had, we had Brother Jeff Gretsch come and do this stage. This, this, this nice, big-looking stage that can fit all of us skinny people on this platform. It doesn't collapse underneath us. It's holding us up because underneath there's a framework. There's, there's this, uh, uh, there's this uh, uh, body, if you will. There's this, all this woodwork. There's this frame beneath that's holding up this thing, what you see. You can't see it with your eyes, but you can believe what I say, that underneath this stage, uh, there, there's this uh, a complex framework uh, that makes sure uh, that you can put uh, all kinds of weights on here and it's going to stand. That's what the Bible says, what you see in your physical physical world in your material world when you see the mountains and the stars and the rivers and the seas all of that is being held by the framework of the word of God when God said let there be Oh, hallelujah. You so, said, well, I can't see God. I don't know where he is. Can I tell you all you got to do is look at your material world. And the Bible says it speaks of the invisible things of God so that man is without excuse. I've come to tell somebody right now, you can have the capacity and the ability to see with your eyes of faith. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, I'll come down. I'm sorry. <laughs> I may wake you up too early. I'm sorry. <laughs> Glory to God. This is what happened to, this is exactly what happened to Moses. That's what we read in Hebrews. That the Bible says it has this, this very interesting, interesting version, interesting take that the Bible says that he was able to see him who is invisible, that the Moses learned to see with the eyes of faith. I mean, we believe in invisible things all the time. Uh, we believe in, in, in so much of what this world has to offer. I mean, I, I'm really fascinated by science. And you know what? It kind of boggles my mind. It gets me thinking, and I'm starting to scratch my head. I'm getting a migraine just thinking about it. That these, these scientists are able to, they, they look at, at the, the essence of material things. And so they look at a microscope and they look that they, they come to discover that everything is made up of atoms. And you can't see an atom. Uh, but but they, they can somehow look at, look at things, they can break it down through mathematical calculation. And so when they discovered the atom, that everything is made up of, of these atoms. And so they asked, well... Well, what's even smaller than the atom? It's called the subatomic. You ever watch Ant-Man? I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm, a big, I'm a big Marvel geek. See Ant-Man going into this. And he goes even smaller than the subatomic. And what's, what makes up the atoms is what scientists call string theory. They have the, there's these, and again, they can't prove it. They can't see it, yet they believe it. There you go. You don't always have to believe what you can't see. Even scientists, even atheistic scientists believe in stuff that they can't see. 
They said this string theory, these little tiny strings that you can't even see with the naked eye that are moving about, that makes up the atoms, that makes up the material stuff that we know in our world. And so again, the question it has to be led to, the, to the, that point and say, well, well, what are strings made of? And, and that's, when, that's when I lose my mind. That's, that's when I just get a gun and say, no, that's, it's too much to consider. It's too much to think. But I'll tell you what's behind all of that. I'll tell you what's underneath all of that that scientists would love to avoid. It's the word of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says that he spoke and it came to be. And the Bible says in the end, in the book of Revelation, when God begins to start the new millennium, that he that's on the white horse, whose name is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that he's going to open up his mouth and a sword will come forth out of his mouth and will slay the enemy. I want you to know that by virtue, what you see here right now, this flesh, these arms and these legs is made up of the word of God that made, it's the friend word hallelujah glory to God we, we, we believe in the invisible and, and here's this curious statement that says he could see the unseen well how pray tell does one begin to see something that cannot be seen it's a contradiction in terms to see the invisible well it may not be material, but here's what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says. That now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hallelujah. There is something that transcends the physical world. There is something that can go beyond the, the circumstantial and the natural. And that evidence, that substance you have sitting right within you, it's called faith. Amen. That faith can begin to see where there seems to be no way. A faith can begin to see the impossible and the invisible. And if you got faith today, if you got some kind of belief you can walk right through your circumstance that yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death it's not over I don't have to fear I'm not gonna be afraid why because I've got my eyes I can see what nobody else can see I can see what the doctors cannot see I can see what my friends and family don't see I've got faith I can see God oh hallelujah I'll come down. I'm sorry. I, take, I get excited. I'm preaching to myself. I feel like running around after listening to that. Amen. Praise God. You see, remember the story of Moses? The, the first time he left Egypt. Well, you know, Mo, Moses was a little baby. And this incredible story of nativity that his, his mother had, had committed this, this, this act that would have put her in trouble with facts. She put a baby in a basket and decides to put the basket in the water. Now, that, that was me. I'd, I'd say, um, I'd like to make a notification, please. There's a mother who just put, you know. 
She, she makes this ark made of bulrushes and, 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 and lined it with pitch and lime. And, and she puts it all in the river. And somehow God's hand is upon that, that little, little basket. Never take for granted the, the divine providence of God. Because by, by God's divine providence, he leads that little ark where, right where the, the Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, was having a bath and, and leads that. And she opens up the, the ark and sees this beautiful baby and, and is moved with compassion, the Bible says. And she calls him Moses, which means drawn out of water. And, and she adopts this baby for herself. Amen. Well, when we would have reported Jochebed, this woman, to, to the you know, family and community services, <laughs> she was stepping out in faith. And by God's divine hand of providence, what seemed like a terrible situation, God was in that situation to lead Moses to a divine destiny. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can I tell... Now, I know sometimes we get ourselves into messes that are the products of our own foolish decisions and, and we get ourselves into trouble because of what we do. But listen to me, I want to talk to somebody right now that if you've been living for God, you've, you've been coming to church, you've been giving your tithe, you've been faithful in prayer, and yet somehow it still hasn't worked out the way that you wanted it and circumstances are still not favorable. Let me remind you, if you were in the river Nile where there'd be crocodiles and cold and, and it doesn't seem very nice that the divine hand of providence come on somebody he's leading you you say well I don't know what's going on my life is a mess listen to me hold to his hand put your life in the hands of God and he'll direct you he'll lead you to the right people he'll direct you to the right stop and you say I don't know yes but God knows you may not see it with your physical eyes but I submit to you the spiritual hand of God the invisible hand Oh, hallelujah. It's upon you to lead. And so Moses grows up. And here, again, it didn't seem like a, the best kind of circumstance. But here's Jochebed. And then Miriam is following her little brother in the basket, comes up to Pharaoh's daughter and says, Hey, listen, lady, you know, you're, you're a princess. You, know, you, you spent a couple of hours in the nail salon. You know, you've done your professional done, and you, you don't need to be messing up your nails with doing nappies and changing dirty diapers and nappies. So I got somebody for, I'll, I'll get one of those Hebrew ladies, and she can change his nappy for you. And so by God's divine hand, opens a door for a mother who stepped out by faith. God opens a door for her to, to be the first recipient of the baby bonus. She's getting the, she's not single mother, but she's getting a, a mother's pension. She's getting paid to look after her own baby. You talk about a God that knows how to look after us. And so Moses' own mother is getting paid for looking after him on behalf of the princess. So he's got privilege. He's got, he's got wealth. He's got all kinds of, of benefits given to him. And so she's looking after him. And she trains him. She teaches Moses. Moses, you're not, a, you're not an Egyptian. You're a Hebrew. You're a Jew. Don't you ever forget that. You're my boy. And could it be that this man who, who, who was, you know, didn't start off so good. But one day God knew he would get him to write the first five books of the Bible. 
that he would be educated in King's College. He would be educated in the best schools in the world in Egypt because God knew I, I need this guy to be to know how to read or write. I, I need him to, to be able because I've got some, some purpose for him. He never knew that in the beginning, but God's hand will lead him to Pharaoh because he understood that I'm going to use this man. Oh, hallelujah. Can I talk? Whatever you're facing right now, whatever situation you're facing right now, it's God preparing you for the next stage and the next level of your walk, of your relationship with God. So don't complain and don't be in the molly grubs and don't whinge and whine, but know wherever it is. You might be stuck in Egypt. Oh, but God's got a purpose. Learn all you can learn. Be all you can be. Hallelujah. Because he's going to write not only the first five books. Somebody said he wrote the book of Job as well. Amen. But we've got to give our kids good educations, right? Emphasize education. But, but at the end of it all, tell them that there's only one truth. <laughs> I mean, our universities, they are becoming havens for, for radical left-wing atheistic ideas you, you're not even free to have your own thoughts but so okay I, I gotta get on with the story i'm sorry moses he grows up he realizes that god called him he's got a purpose and he has a has a feels for his people and he sees one day one of the one of his own hebrews are being beaten up by an egyptian and so he he tries to stop that and he ends up killing this egyptian he kills him and he buries him in the sands of the desert. And, and thinking perhaps he was going to get away from it. Somehow he finds out that the Pharaoh heard about him killing. He's a Hebrew killing another Egyptian. And so he runs for his life. He flees like, like that scripture that we read. And that's what I used to think that scripture meant. Was when Moses first fled Egypt. That he fled out of fear of the king who was going to prosecute him and kill him. He leaves Egypt out of fear because of what he did. He thought what God called him to do, he was going to fulfill it right there and then according to his ways, according to his carnal ways. Amen. Oh, that's a whole other message. Praise God. And so for the next 40 years, Moses becomes a, a, a uh, um, you know, whatchamacallit. He's on the run. I'm tired. He's a fugitive. I said it this morning. He's a fugitive and he settles to a life of being a shepherd for 40 years looking after somebody else's sheep when finally God calls him speaks to him out of a burning bush and calls him to go back to Egypt to set the children of Israel free after hundreds of years of being in slavery and the Bible you know the story it's it's an amazing story how many ever watched the Ten Commandments that was my favorite movie growing up as a kid Remember that? And so Charlton Heston tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you let my people go. And, and God begins to bring the ten plagues and miracles and wonders. And, and this time when Moses leaves, and this is what that verse is referring to in Hebrews 11, 20, 27. And he, when he walks out and he flees Egypt, he forsakes Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The first time he ran, he was afraid. But the second time he runs, he's no longer afraid. Because now he has seen, now he can learn to see the invisible. 
and so he would walk without fear without trepidation without paranoia because he's learned to be able to perceive an invisible god Oh, this is a new normal that you've got to incorporate into your life. That if you want to live for God, if you want to be a believer, you've got to incorporate in your life a new normal of being able to see what other people don't see. Of being able to perceive that which is invisible. Oh, come on somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Well, what you've been through. Some of you with, with some of the circumstances that you've been through, the life that you've been through, some folks would say oh you should have given up by now why are you still a Christian you should be in an asylum rocking back and forth because of what you've been through and you can turn around and tell them no I'm still here because I see something else I'm not just limited to my physical circumstance I have eyes to see the invisible God that my God It's real. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's why you can walk without fear. Look, look how much this has disrupted our lives. People lost their jobs. The economy went down. Man, where, where? people are fighting in the aisles of the grocery stores. Are you, are you like me? You still kind of feel like buying extra toilet paper? I don't know. Just in case. My goodness, I, I, got, I got some bidets installed in my house. Okay, we won't go there. <laughs> Life was disrupted. We couldn't have church for months. No church. We, had, we were able to have 10 people on one stage. We were here. I'd be preaching my guts out to an empty room. I, I dreamt of this day like today right now. The whole world was thrown in chaos and turmoil. People rioting on the streets. Fear had gripped the hearts of people. Why? Because of this thing that you can't even see. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm not belittling the impact that it has. But I'm saying we've got so many other diseases out there in the world that are worse, uh, just as bad. But, but this invisible pestilence, this invisible menace had caused the lives of people to be turned upside down. If they have just as much faith in that coronavirus as they had, that's invisible, as they had in the invisible God. If you can learn to see hallelujah in that which you cannot see physically oh I, I believe we can turn our lives right side up we can walk in victory we don't have to be afraid oh hallelujah we don't have to panic like they panic out there in the world why because i see something beyond the blue glory to god hallelujah Glory to God. That's why you ought, to, you ought to give like you can see Jesus. There's a story in 2 Kings of the prophet Elisha. And the Bible says that the king of Assyria sent some army to Elisha because he was afraid of this man. He was a mighty prophet of God. So he sends a whole army. Elisha's servant wakes up, gets up, he wakes up. Stretch and having his morning tea comes out out on the uh, on the balcony and begins to look and says, oh snap. 
there's a whole array of soldiers surrounding where they were living. He's rubbing his eyes. Are you serious? He gets up off of that balcony, goes to the other side. Looks, he looks. They're all the way around that side. There was a whole army. And he's looking, there's me, Elisha. That's it. Two against thousands. He goes to the other side. And by this time, his knees are shaking. By this time, you know, his teeth is chattering. And fear's got a hold of his heart. And he looks, again, the army is arrayed all around them. And there's a, there's a blowhorn. There's a, somebody's got that, one of those megaphones says, we've got you surrounded. Come out with your hands up. Okay, that's not in the Bible. Okay, Caleb, that's not in the Bible. Okay, I just, that's just for dramatic effect. And he's scared out of his wits. He goes to his master, the prophet. Uh, um, uh, listen, master, listen, there, there's an entire army waiting outside to just about kill us. Uh, what are we going to do? He says these words in the King James. He says, alas, my master, what shall we do? We're in trouble. Elisha gets up, you know, cool, calm, and collected like the man of God that we are. He prays for him. That's what he does. First thing he does, he prays for his servant. And he says, God, open his eyes that he may see. Oh, hallelujah. That ought to be our prayer today. Come on, with whatever you're facing, you ought to, you ought to lay hands on your eyes and say, God, help me to see. Don't man, let me just look with my carnal eyes. Don't man, let me just be limited with my physical perspective. But God, give me eyes of faith. Help me to see the unseen. And when he took off his hands, off his servant, and he opened up, he saw beyond the soldiers, behind them, was an army of chariots, a fire. I'm telling you, if God will open up your eyes and peel back the curtain out of this physical world to see the supernatural world that you live in, oh, how would you worship? How would you? live oh hallelujah how would you live here today if God could open your eyes and show you the reality if you could see angels round about this church how would you worship glory to God glory to God hallelujah Oh, quit looking at Netflix. Quit looking at your circumstance. Sometimes you got to close your physical eyes and begin to pray and say, God, give me a spiritual perspective. Let me not just walk by the flesh, but let me walk in the spirit. I've got to stop. I believe God is still at work here. What would happen if God would give us perspective? I always say, man, if I could go back in time, I'd love just to be in the time 2,000 years ago where I was with Jesus and the disciples, where I could see him. I, I, would, I would beat Peter to walking on water. I said, hold on, you wait. I, I'm going first. I've read this before. <laughs> I start walking on water. And Thomas, you know, you know the guy that's forever forever stigmatized with that name, Doubting Thomas. 
How would you like that to define your identity? <laughs> oh, there's, there's doubting Greg. There's, there's unbelieving Sam. There's, and so Jesus deliberately says, okay, I'm, I'm going to do something for you, Thomas. I, I'm going to make a little meeting with you. I was going to have a conference. So deliberately the next day he comes, and there he is. He said, come on, Thomas. You said you're not going to believe unless you touch my hands where I've been... I've got my nail scars and my side where the, where the spear had pierced. And, and, and immediately Thomas, he fell to his knees and says, my Lord and my God. He had, you see, he had a revelation of who Jesus was. That he is his Lord and his God. And you know what Jesus said? He said, Thomas, you believe because you can perceive physically. You're seeing, you touch amen but blessed are they that believe and still can't see hallelujah you know what god was prophesying you know what jesus was prophesying that you and i if we can believe today that we are blessed Hallelujah, that we're not going to see him. I'm sorry. You're not going to see the physical representation of Jesus come down upon this earth. But here it is. This is the body of God. And if you can believe, you're blessed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our world is steeped in the invisible. From, from something as basic as air and oxygen to even your own human spirit. You know, I don't know if this, you know, people say, you know, when somebody dies that they can see their spirits moving. Now, I don't know if that's true. I believe our spirits are invisible. But you can see my spirit by this awesome physical specimen representation. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> this physical represents the immaterial part of us. This invisible part of you and I. And so you take away this, this outward shell. And you were, well you're gone, you're dead. You're in the presence of God. Amen. When Jesus took up, he said, I, I, I'm still got a body on this earth. And the body is the church. We are the physical representation of the invisible God. And if you've come here today, it doesn't matter what your circumstance is. If you need God, if you need healing in your body, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You need to, to turn your life towards Him. I'm telling you, if you've got faith enough, if you can see Him who is invisible, God will come to you and touch your life. Oh, hallelujah. Would you lift your hands right now and begin to worship this invisible God? Oh, glory to God. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Musicians, if you'd like to come, I've got to stop. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's, it's this acute ability to be able to see something that nobody else sees and that is I see Jesus that's why we can live our lives without 
without fear. My, my life is not predicated on my circumstance. No matter how bad life gets, that I can still, I, I still see him. I can still perceive. That's, that's why we can learn, you know, you can learn to give. You know why people don't give? People don't give because they're afraid. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it without this money. But do you know the Bible talks more about giving? And again, I don't preach about this very often. But I need to talk about it because I, I, I don't preach about it often because so many churches abuse this idea of giving. It, you know, this prosperity doctrine which I absolutely reject. Because you got brothers and sisters in, in places around the world that have nothing. And just because they have nothing materially doesn't mean they're poor. In fact, it's the opposite. Because they are materially impoverished, they are spiritually rich. And, and you know, I, I've come across people at work, that unbelievers, says, Why do you give, you give your tithes, your offering? That's crazy. I said, oh, you don't see. So I get a lot further with my 90% than you do with your 100%. And the Bible, the New Testament talks more about giving than it does about praying. Do you know that? The Bible talks more about giving than it does about faith and love. Because could it be that the simple act of giving, the simple act of giving is a, is a physical uh, a declaration to say, God, I believe in your invisible power. That what we see here is not all there is. We are not limited and restricted to the physical, material restrictions of life. We've got a God who created this world. Hallelujah. That's why God was so strong about it. And he, in, in Malachi chapter 3, he was so strong about it. He said, if you don't give your tithes and your offerings, you're robbing God. It's like you're putting your hand in this pocket and beginning to steal. So how, how in the world? When you don't give your tithes and offering, that's what it says in the book of Malachi. Ne never eradicated in the New Testament. Jesus actually said, this is what you ought to do. But could it be when we give in faith, it, it's a simple declaration to say, God, I see you. I see your invisible hand of providence. I see the invisible God. That's why I can walk right out of Egypt and into the promises of God. Because God will bless me. Come on. He's, he's going to be no man's debtor. He's not going to owe you. Remember, he never blesses this. But he always blesses this. Hallelujah. Come on, you ought to give to the... I'm not talking about just to this church. You ought to give to the poor. You ought to give to say, God, I trust in you for my livelihood. Uh, come on, I'm not saying you should... Don't pay your bills. Yes, pay your bills. Uh, put food on the table for the kids. I'm not saying be irresponsible, but you've got to be disciplined with the resources that God has given you so that it's not all hoarding to yourself, but you got to give. And when you give, oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you the power of God. Come on. Hallelujah. You know when they ran out of water? You know what the prophet said? He said, dig the valley full of ditches and the next day you're going to have water. You remember that story? You know what? How much water they got 
depended upon how many ditches that they dug. If they dug one ditch, guess what? That's how much water they were going to get. But you know what the man of God said? Dig the whole valley full of... Come on. When you give, when you give for his cause, you're digging this valley full of ditches. How much you give? He said, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Should man give into your bosom? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet all over this building. I've got to stop. But I believe the power of God is being released here today. The Spirit of Almighty God, the invisible God. Oh, is there anybody here that can see with eyes of faith that you can pray for yourself and begin to see, hallelujah, the invisible, the unseen. Oh, I wish I had time to tell stories of how God has made miraculous ways. I wish I had time. But I believe today you can make your own story. Today you can walk without fear, without trepidation and say, God, I believe in you. I want to give my life to you right now. A man by the name of Viktor Frankl. I'm going to close with this. Viktor Frankl was a Jew. He was locked up in a concentration camp. He wrote the book, The Meaning to Life. You want to know what the meaning to life is? He was locked up in a concentration camp, lost his family, lost his wife and daughter. And he said these words that are so profound when I read it. It was incredible. He said, as the, as the prisoners in the concentration camp of Nazi Germany stood out in the courtyard. And he said, as he stood getting counted for the prisoners. They were all skinny and gone for no food. You, you can imagine the most uh, atrocious of conditions. And as the sun beat down on him, he said, at that moment, in my mind, I, I, I was taken back to my home in my backyard with my wife and my children and he said these words he says it was as real to me right then as if i was actually there he says it was so vivid i felt like i was transported out of those out of those prison uniforms out of those horrible cold conditions back into the beautiful sunlit yard with my family I'm telling you today, if you can have that kind of faith, not in some imaginary circumstance, but in an invisible God who presents himself to you here today, who says, come to me all of you that are weary and heavily laden and I will give you rest. Would you lift your voices right now in prayer and let's talk to the Lord. Your words have the ability to connect with God. Your heart has the ability to connect with the invisible God. In Jesus' name, Father, right now we come before you. Lord, we come with faith believing. Lord, we come with eyes seeing what is beyond that transcends even the natural and the physical. But Lord God, we step into that dimension of the supernatural, into the throne room of God, where we can receive your gift of the Holy Spirit where we can receive healing for our bodies and minds, where we can be restored, where we can be reunited with you, where we can be born again of water and baptism in Jesus' name, and miraculously our sins can be washed away. God, today we come believing. 
we believe you we can see you hallelujah in jesus name i want to open this altar right now if you want to get in contact with the divine if you want to receive the gift of the holy ghost you want healing in your body come out from your seats if you can see him if you can see the invisible god come out from your seats and find a place at this altar where you can pray and talk to the lord come on if you got a friend with you invite them to come down and simply pray together and talk to this invisible unseen presence of the holy god the spirit of the lord is here right now moving if you can believe if you can see oh hallelujah with eyes of faith he will be with you he will touch you and heal you in jesus name Wherever you are, why don't you reach out to the Lord? Talk to Him. Lift your hearts and your spirits to God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Lord. 